that Liverpool Football Club has indeed won the Champions League once again. Yeah, Liverpool. That's right, get excited. You guys aren't as excited as I thought you'd be. That's okay. It does kind of correlate. Just bear with me. So, Liverpool on Saturday, June 1st, was playing in the Champions League final. Unprecedented. Why? Great question. Because they were to lose to Barcelona. That's a fantastic team, one led by the best player ever, Lionel Messi. And the first leg in Barca, Barcelona went up 3-0. Did I cry? A little bit. Don't tell my wife. Then the next leg is in Anfield, which is a ruckus crowd. How ruckus? Great question. It is more ruckus, far more ruckus than Death Valley. And I'm an LSU fan. And there, the miracle at Anfield happened where down 3-0 in aggregate, uh, Liverpool came and scored four goals against Barcelona to none, winning 4-3 in aggregate and going on to the Champions League final. And so they played fellow Premier League uh, stars Tottenham, and they beat them 2-0 in the Champions League final. And victories with Liverpool again for the first time since 2005, which was back when I graduated high school. And it was massively exciting. My younger brother called me from, Orla from Orlando crying. And I might have done the same. We reveled in it. And one of the amazing things about sports is, is you can get excited about them. And you can revel in your team winning stuff. And songs are important, right? Saints have them, right? Who that? Who that say they're going to, right? <laughs> which, is like, which is like cute and whatnot. But, but Liverpool has some of the best songs ever. As you can see, our slogan song sung at the end, you'll never walk alone. It's sweet, it's emotional, and we sing these songs. And so Liverpool wins this. They had a massive amount of people in the Fan Fest in Madrid where the, where the game was played. They had 50,000 Liverpool fans in one plaza, and Liverpool was greeted at home with the Welcome Home Parade with over 500,000 adoring fans, as you saw with the second video, singing songs and celebrating wonderful things. And in life, there are good things that happen, right, that get you excited. Maybe you sing a little bit. It's a joyful occasion, right? These things are good. But what happens if life isn't so good? What happens if life seems a little bit dark? Well, it might not mean a whole lot to you. Maybe you're the type of person that's always positive, right? Maybe you're like this dude. <laughs> Maybe you're like Korg from the Marvel movies, right, where no matter what happens, like, dude, they're all coming. We're going to die. Okay, man, what do you want to do? You want to go fight them? Come on. Let's go, boy. We can do it. You're just always positive kind of person. Um, <laughs> this is so bad. So I walked into the house last night at 10 p.m. My sister's in town now, so I was really excited to see her. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. Open up the door, and I walk in, and my wife and her are singing, not well, a song in this new show where people write songs. And then someone like says, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to put it on my album because you're cool. And so I walked into this song called Be Nice, right? song is, be different, be nice. <laughs> Just smile. I promise it'll be all right. And then my response was, yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> But you guys just continue. That is what they're doing. So, so these, these, these positivity songs are out there. We get it. We need them. They're helpful in life. But maybe it's not always like that. Maybe your circumstances are difficult and not fun. 
Maybe you've been walking through some dark times and your theme song is not be happy or be nice. It is, hello darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Come to talk with you again. <laughs> right? Or maybe, maybe it's happy. Psalms are weird, right? Psalms are very strange because when you peer into the Psalms, it's like they go through these horrible, dark circumstances and all of a sudden they just start praising God. It's like some weird knee-jerk reaction that doesn't really make sense. So they could be walking through like, hello darkness, my old friend, agony, pain, and all of a sudden the sun will come out tomorrow. Bet what? I'm not done. <laughs> Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun, right? Thank you very much. <coughs> so maybe you believe that. Um, you bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow something will happen. Well, what happens if your song is sad? So that's the theme tonight. What happens if you're doing life and your song is just sad and your circumstances are dark and grave? What will you do? Well, the Psalms are full of lament. That's not new if you have read the Psalm for any amount of time. But you might find it interesting to know that there are a couple of Psalms that don't seem to be resolved. Where the psalmist is speaking, praying, singing, and there's no relief at the end. There's no happy ending going on. And two of those would be Psalm 88 and Psalm 39. Psalm 39, for instance, ends with him basically saying, God, why don't you just turn your face so I can get some relief before I die? Just sad psalms. And tonight we're going to be looking at one of those in Psalm 88. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 88. You're going to read this psalm in its entirety. And we are going to briefly mention a couple of things about it before moving on. So if you guys have your Bibles, if you can read along with me, this is what the Word of God says. And pace yourself, this is, this is not a happy psalm. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pits. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. And you overwhelm me with your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me, and you have made me a horror to them. I will shut in, I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, Lord. I spread out my hands before you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O oh Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? 
afflicted and close to death from my youth up. I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Let's pray. Lord, it seems odd that this is in your word. But Lord, we know, if, if you've been here for any amount of time on life, Lord, we know that life is not always easy. And so, although this is, this is a difficult circumstance for this psalmist, Lord, and this is dreadful experience for him, Lord, I pray that you would teach us what you have to say in this lament. And remind us of the hope that you offer when our song is sad. Lord, help us to be attentive to your word, Lord God. Open our hearts to hear what you have to say, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. So, you might ask, as I would ask reading this, why in the world is this psalm in the Psalter? Does it make any sense? You just want to portray someone suffering? There's no hope, no answer. What is this about? Well, why is it here? Who put it here? Well, obviously, we know God put it here, but why? Why is it here? Well, it teaches us something. It teaches us something about God, and it teaches us something to ourselves. Derek uh, Kidner, in his commentary, on the Psalms, wrote this. He said, The very presence of these prayers in Scripture is a witness to God's understanding. God knows how men speak when they are desperate. So the crazy reality is, is the fact that they're even here in the Bible just declares that God remembers this prayer and that God heard this prayer. So, this individual who wrote this is Haman, not the bad Haman and Esther, mind you. It's a different Haman, okay? He was the son of Joel and grandson of Samuel the prophet. He was a Kohathite. He was a singer. He was assigned to be a singer, as we see here in First Chronicles 6. And he was one of the three Levites who was uh, commissioned to be a vocalist and an instrumentalist in the temple to the service of King David during his reign. So this guy was basically very own Ben Ostenak or Eric Schmaltz called to come up here and lead us in song, to be a singer and to lead the congregation in praising God. And here is his song here, 88. Doesn't sound so good, right? It's sad. But it's helpful. Why is it helpful? Isn't it amazing to know that, that when he felt these things and experienced these things and therefore sung and prayed these to God, that God heard him. He remembered him. And they're here for us and for our instruction. It's basically God saying that I am this psalmist God even when he's not getting it right. Even when he doesn't see the truth in the midst of this I am his God, not when he gets it right. Look at verse uh, 10 through 12 here. 
when the psalmist says, do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? He's mocking God. These people rise up, huh? You able to do that? Is your steadfast love declared to the grave? Huh? Because that's where I am. That's where I feel like I am. You're going to reach me, God? And we know. Yes. <laughs> we know the truth. Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were in the grave, dead. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, made us alive with Christ. So yes, psalmist, he is able to do this. But also God is saying something to you too by it being here. He says, I am your God, not because you have a smile on your face or because you are happy or because you worship me when life is lit. No. I am I'm your God not because everything is right or you do everything right or you say everything right. I am your God because of my grace. That's what he says to us by it being here. But it, it, it teaches us stuff. It teaches us stuff even based upon the psalmist's prayer here, right? It teaches us that what? Christians get depressed too, right? Christians go through dark times. Christians go through things that are difficult and that we don't understand why we're going through these things, but Christians go through these things. There is an amazing work of art that I used to gaze upon often as a child. It's a movie. It's The Princess Bride. That is the work of art. And in this movie, the main character, Wesley, is talking to his fair maiden, uh, Princess Buttercup, and she's, you know, going on. And she's like, you mock my pain. And he responds, classic line, life is pain, highness. Anyone who tells you differently is selling something. So even the world knows, even Hollywood knows that life is difficult and not easy, right? But it's interesting here that in the midst of his pain and agony, who is he speaking to? God. Who does he go to? He goes to God and he prays to God, albeit accusatory and downcast, etc. Absolutely, he still goes to God. Look at verse 1 and 2. Oh, homie, friend, compadre, mommy, daddy, no. Oh, Lord God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. He goes to God in the midst of despair and utter darkness. He goes to God. That is massively important for us to see. So the question for you is, where do you go when life is difficult? When you're in darkness? When it's not fun? When your song is sad? Where do you go? Do you go to God or do you go elsewhere? Are you the type that just tr tries to like, that just shuts down when things are going bad and that's it? Or are you the type that just goes and escapes to your room 
and tries to medicate your thoughts and mind with TV, game systems, cell phone, social media, and you scroll through social media so you can get like a little perk in your life or walk away with a little smirk, something lifts you up? Is, is that what you do when you go through these things? Do you go to your friends to look for some kind of cheering up or maybe ask advice from your parents, which isn't a bad thing? What do you do? Do you try to solve it on your own? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Or do you go to God? Well, even in the midst of this, this psalmist goes to God, and we should go to God. This should be our first response, right? And this should be the posture that we linger in, always going to God and waiting for him and trusting him in the midst of this. Not only does he go to God, he apparently stays with God. This is what rocks me, even when he gets nothing. There's no resolve here, is there? There's no resolve here. There's no response. There's no relief. There's no encouragement. Nothing. He gets nothing. And yet he stays with God. What does this reveal? This this reveals a lot. There's massive implications for someone who is in the pits of despair. The pits of despair. Princess Bride, another one, nailed it. When someone's in the pits of despair and agony, loneliness, you name it, you find out why you're here. Why are you here? Why are you in the body of Christ? Why are you in the Christian faith? Are you here for transaction purposes? Get what you can out of it? Are you here because, well, my mom and dad are, my friends are, I guess I will be too. Why are you here? Are you here to be served by God or are you here to serve God? Because when push comes to shove and you have an experience like Haman did here in 88, you, you kind of realize that, that your purpose is beyond your own dreams and aspirations and what you want out of life. So the question is, is are you going to see that you're here for a purpose beyond yours and that you're bought with a price or are you going to wallow in your darkness? You see that here? But the question is, obviously we want to know, this is heavy darkness, no resolve. Come on, Hallmark fans, where is the happiness, right? Where's the resolve? I want to see it. It's got to be good. So does this darkness subside? Is this darkness absolute for this person? Is it inevitable? Marvel. <laughs> or will it subside? Well, no, this darkness is not absolute. How do we know that? For the psalmist, it seems like it was. He felt like it was. Look at verse 15 through 18. Afflicted and close to death from my youth up. I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. 
They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companion is darkness. All he has is darkness. So for him, it seemed like it was inevitable. It was absolute. In verse 3 and 5 here in this chapter, we see it's, he, he kind of feels like if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, if you haven't, don't. It's very gory. You shouldn't see it. Come on, guys. You shouldn't have seen it. Anywho, well, in Saving Private Ryan, because I've actually seen it, there's, there's one part where they're going through this village, right, and they're trying to rescue some, some families up in the second floor, and one of the characters, Vin Diesel, gets shot by a sniper, goes down. Oh, snap. Sad. Okay. Well, could they go and get him? Probably but they leave him there because if they go, they're obviously going to get shot too, right? So this psalmist feels like Vin Diesel, just left there among the dead, ready to die with no hope. So he feels like it is absolute. It wasn't relative to him. It was a subjective truth that God was nowhere to be found. He was left in darkness, but just because you experience darkness doesn't mean that everything is out of whack, right? Look at this quote from Michael Wilcock. This is very helpful. If you can even read it. It says, this darkness can happen to a believer. This psalm says, it doesn't mean you're lost. This darkness can happen to someone who does not deserve it. After all, it happened to Jesus. It doesn't mean that you have strayed. This darkness can happen at any time as long as this world lasts because only in the next world will such things be done away with. This darkness can happen without you knowing why, but there are answers, there is a purpose, and eventually you will know. So what do we know? What can we know in this darkness? Well, we know God, and hopefully you are aware of his promises what he promises to do for us. And we know that his dilemma, our dilemma, is not absolute because of what Christ has accomplished. Now listen to this, Matthew 27. Don't have to turn he there, but listen to this. Very brief, very profound. Remember, darkness, feeling forsaken, abandoned, right? That's the psalmist theme here. Look, listen to Matthew 27. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land, until the ninth hour. Just picture that. Noon to 3 p.m., southeast Louisiana, dark. Some of you might say, that would be awesome about now. It's pretty hot outside. But darkness covered the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Darkness forsaking, abandonment, same. You see that? So what do we know? We know that he endured the ultimate abandonment and the ultimate forsaking. He endured darkness so that although we will go through times of darkness and trial, that the darkness will not last forever so that you can have a secure hope, not one that's just, I'm hoping things turn out, but a secure hope that will not put you to shame because he conquered it. He endured it for us on our behalf. So you might be thinking, okay, great. So what I've heard so far is that there's going to be darkness, but we can have hope. 
thank you for that. And that might be helpful to you, and that might not be helpful to you. You might say, great, dude. Well, I've been in darkness for a while now. So how about you tell me what to do while I'm in darkness? Because I'm weary. I'm fed up with it. I can't do it anymore. It's breaking me. Well, here's what you can do in the darkness. Here is how you can learn to fight in the darkness. So if you will flip over to Psalm chapter 42. We're going to look here, Psalm chapter 42, and we're just going to read the first eight verses. So if you guys can follow along with me. This psalm is written by the sons of Korah. Korites were with the Korathites. They were both instructed in singing and leading worship. Hey, leading worship um, and commissioned. So same people writing this psalm here in 42. And this is what the word of God says. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Have you been there? Have you felt that way? I know some of you have. I've seen you there. Tears have been your food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Like the fans we watched, excited, joyful. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and from Hermon and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. So here, the psalmist, just in this brief section, he is communicating and conveying at least three things, right? He is conveying this outward oppression that is upon him. He is conveying this inner turmoil that he is dealing with, and he is also fighting for hope. So let's zero in on how he is fighting for hope so we can learn how to fight in the dark times. Here is just Six ways, probably more in here, but here's just six ways that we can fight in the dark. Number one, he prays to God. Just like in Psalm 88, he goes to God and he inquires of God. Here in the beginning, it's a dear pants, so pants my soul for you, O God. I thirst for you, for the living God. He begins going to God and he asks the question, why? Why? Why have you forgotten me? Why does he ask that? Imagine going to God, what you know about God. Why have you forgotten me? You know that God hasn't forgotten you, but why does he say that here? Because he feels that. 
because that's his experience right now. But these psalms are awesome. These psalms are unrelentingly real. They talk about they're from real people having real experiences, conveying real emotions, just like you do. When you blow up social media with how you're feeling, or when you vent to your friend, the same way, here it is, conveying this. This is what he feels. And, and listen, just as a sidebar, if, if you have a friend or a family member that is there, and they're feeling this, look, I, I get it if you have like a robust theology and you just want to speak the truth. Maybe you're that friend that's like, the sun will come out tomorrow. Just get happy. Everything's going to be good, right? But that might not serve them, right? They, they just, they lecture me later. Right now, I, I got a problem. So go where they are and walk with them. You can see this in, in Job 6 when his friends are attempting to be good friends and they're giving him advice and they're correcting him for how he was responding. And he gives this, this word that's like word of the wind, right? Where he says, look, don't, don't lecture me on my words that I said this. I know the truth. Let me just vent for a second. Sometimes that's good to just vent. So allow your friends to do that, to hear them out. It is helpful. So not only does he pray to God and inquire of God, he pleads for God and he craves for God. Verse 1 and 2, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? Is that your first response? Do you thirst for God when something's going wrong? Or are you just like, how am I going to fix this? End this now. Let's just get out of here. Do you thirst for him? Do you crave him? Do you, are you aware of a need for him in these times? The, the amazing thing here in, in this psalm is it, it's really striking if you read it because dude, he's, he's not pleading for relief from his circumstances. He's just pleading for God. He needs God's nearness. He calls for God to come. I pant for you. I need you. You have to be with me as I go through this. He's not told if or when it will pass. If and when it would pass, he might not be inclined, right? This is the amazing thing. If, if he knew, if you knew when these things were going to pass in your life, you might not be so inclined to go to God. Would you? Think about it. If, if darkness came in my life in an area, you'd be like, how can that be? You're married to a beautiful woman. you got four kids. Liverpool just won. Get a great job. You get to sit next to Evan May. It's a dream come true. Why would you ever, ever be in darkness? Well, if it comes and it's like, hey, darkness is coming in two days, but it's okay. June 15th, it's going to go away. Sweet. Now I just got to endure it, right? Just got to get through it, maintain. By not knowing when this darkness is going to subside, it, it calls you to rely on God. That's grace. It really is. Because you can't do anything on your own. You need him desperately. So, does that, not only does he long for God and plead for God, he remembers or recalls it to mind. Look at verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts of joy and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping 
festival. So for this psalmist, the memories of being with the body of Christ, worshiping God, were massively impactful to him, right? It's like that little boy. He just can't believe it, can't put it into words, right? That's how he felt. It is impactful. For, that's a Scouser accent, by the way, Liverpool. Um, is massively impactful for him that he remembers these things and recalls them to mind. Hey, here in this room, same thing. Memories take place. In this room, you are taught how to endure in the hard times. In this room, lives are moved from darkness into light. And it helps significantly if you don't sit in the back on your phone or you talk to your friends. It means you set aside time to get with God, to learn, and to train yourself so when these things happen, you know how to fight in the darkness. Don't, don't bicker and moan to me if I'm a coach of a sports team when you're not doing your job, when you haven't been listening to instruction. You've just been goofing off with your teammates. You're like, I don't know what's going on, coach. You didn't listen. Listen. Pay attention. Be on guard. This is for your good. This is going to help you as you walk through life. You don't know what's to come. You know what's going to happen when friends that you cared for and were with and now all of a sudden they don't want to talk to you anymore. What are you going to do? How are you going to fight? How are you going to go through this thing? Not only does he remember or recall it to mind, he preaches to himself. Look at verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. How amazing is that? This dude is aware that his soul is downcast and he's preaching to himself. What are you doing? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. You will worship again. You will extol him Always, you will be able to experience the joy, unending hope in God. P get up. Why are you moaning? He's, he sees where he is and he's preaching to himself. It's, it's better. Listen, there's a difference between preaching to yourself and listening to yourself. Listening to yourself sounds like, I'm not, I'm not going to get this. It's too hard. Can't do it. Where are my friends? Why don't they call me? They went out to an event and they didn't call me. What's going on? Like, that's what listening to yourself sounds like. Listening to yourself sounds like, I'm a sinner, I screwed up, and it's never going to get good. Never going to conquer this sin. Never going to make right decisions. My parents aren't going to be happy with me. I'm just going to be stuck in this muck. That is a lie from the pits of hell. Don't listen to that. Preach to yourself. Preach the truth to yourself, as he does here in verse 5. Remember that verse. It's helpful. As he preaches to himself, it's kind of like a rap battle going on, right? Yeah, man. It's kind of like a rap battle. So bear with me. So, no, come on. Just please. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do I used to do this back in the day. Um, okay. So this is, this is the antagonist right here. Hat back, right? This is the straightforward dude. Okay. Rap battle. You guys ready? By the way. The, the antagonist is going to sound a little bit like Lil Wayne, okay? Oh, okay. Ah. All right, ready? Here we go. 
I'm not going to do it. But <laughs> that was awesome to see your faces. You guys were like excited and nervous at the same time. You're like, don't do it, do it. It's going to be really bad for you. Yeah. No. No. Used to. Yeah. Maybe some other time. Oh, man, I actually did write one for this, but I'm not going to do it. Okay, so, no, it's okay. It's okay. I ain't got time for this. Um, yes, so not only does he do that, not only does he preach to himself and have a rap battle that I should have done, he also <laughs> acknowledges God's sovereignty and God's love. Look at verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. So he sees here that, that God is sovereign over these things, that God is in these things, and that God's love is there for him. Even in the midst of this, he knows that he commands a steadfast love in the day, and at night his song is in me. It says in verse 5 and 11, my salvation and my God, declaring that he is Lord over his life and that God is sovereign over the circumstances as he sees here in verse 7 when it says, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Not the world's waves, not whatever waves, your waves have gone over me. You are in this. You are sovereign over these experiences in these dark times. You are working out your perfect will. Knowing that God is in them breeds significant confidence and hope. If you didn't know that God was sovereign, flip a coin and good luck, right? Don't tell Pastor Peter I said that. <laughs> um, very hopeful. This is what it says here, right? Because he is declaring this truth. He's declaring that, Lord, I know that with one word, you can alleviate this whole situation. One word. One Thanos snap of a finger, done. Ended. But, for your purposes, you are allowing it. Now, that's the truth. That's the reality. And each and every one of you have to do war in your hearts to see where you are and to see whether you trust that and whether you're going to submit to that. But that's the reality. That he is working his purposes for your good and his glory. As, Pipe, as Piper says in regards to this, when he acknowledges his sovereignty and love, the psalmist doesn't lose his grip on this great truth of God, that he is sovereign over everything in his life. He holds tightly to his promises. Listen to this promise of God's goodness. He speaks in Psalm 81. This is what he did. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I did that. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Mirabah. Hear, O Israel, my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. 
What a promise. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me. You guys hear that? That's, that's God the Father speaking. Oh, that my people would listen to me. As a father, I'm thinking, oh, that Adeline would listen to me. But seriously, am I a perfect parent? By no means. But in that same relationship, in that same illustration can be used. This particular thing that, that I'm, I'm saying no to, it's for your good. So Adeline, you can't do that, sweetheart. In that same way, he, he does that with us. Oh, that you would listen to me. Listen to me. Oh, that you would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him, and their fate would last forever. But he, this is what God would do. God would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Are you going to incline your ear to him? Are you going to posture your heart to him in these situations so that you can hear from him, be instructed by him, and be led by him so that you can experience this good that he will satisfy you with? Or are you going to turn away? I see it every day, every day in my own life and in the youth life when they decide, you know what, this is too much. It's going to turn away. Forget about it. Deuces. And they turn their back to the Lord and they give the parents a hard time and they get in fights with their friends. Why? Because they don't want to listen. They don't want to trust God in the dark times. So not only does he acknowledge God's sovereignty, finally he sings to the Lord. This is beautiful. It might sound weird for me to, as a guy, to encourage people, especially other dudes, to sing. But the psalmist sings to the Lord. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of 42, spiritual depression it looks like, he sings to the Lord. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. Late at night, this dude is singing songs to the Lord in the midst of this. You shutting your door, listening to music, or are you singing songs to the Lord? <coughs> Praising Him, worshiping Him, knowing that He has taken on the total darkness and the shame and the abandonment and the forsakenness so that you don't deal with this forever. He's taken that from you. Do you do that? This is a way that you can fight in the darkness. Problem is, you look around the survey of, of the Christians, you just don't see people fighting anymore, right? You give up. We are called to fight. So when you are experiencing significant darkness, like the psalmist Haman in 88, and there's no end in sight, whether you're de dealing with some significant spiritual depression here in 42, God has given us 
the ability to fight in the darkness and to be aware of what he has accomplished for us. You have a hope. You know these things. You have his word. So the question is, are you going to incline your ear to him and to train yourself up in the word, or are you going to try to solve it on your own? Ben, you can come on up, man. You have two options, basically. You can either trust God that he is sovereign and that he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, or you could not, and you can turn away. The choice is obviously yours. But I pray that whatever happens, that you would be able to be aware that God is good and that he offers you hope and he longs to lavish good on you and that these dark times allow you to be more aware of his grace and his mercy in your life. It draws you to him. And when you are in the dark times and you're drawn to God, those are some of the sweetest times with God. Hopefully, you can, know, you can now know this God when your song is sad. And you can change a little bit. Here's a song that we're about to sing, but I just wanted to read these words to you. This is awesome. And you can sing this song with great confidence and assurance because of what God's done for you. It said, there is strength within the sorrow. There is beauty in our tears. You meet us in our mourning with a love that casts out fear. You are working in our waiting. You're sanctifying us. When beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. You are wisdom unimagined. Who could understand your ways? Reigning high above the heavens, reaching down in endless grace. You're the lifter of the lowly, or the depressed, or the sad, compassionate and kind. You surround and you uphold me, and your promises are my delight. So when it is hard and I'm done, I can look to your promises and they become my delight because it's not just like, hey man, I think it's going to get better. It will get better. And you have a future for us, and our hope is secure. You can delight in his promises. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. In your darkest hour, he has not forgotten you, just like he didn't forget Haman, and he put it in the Bible. Hasn't forgotten you. He hears all of your prayers, and he's mindful of you. He understands them. He ultimately endured what you claim, and what Psalm 88 claims. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You are faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. Let me just personalize this bridge to you. He turns it for your good. Even what your enemy means for evil, he turns it for your good. He turns it for your good and for his glory. Even in the valley, he is faithful. He's working for your good. He's working for your good and for his glory.